Welcome to the RylaCast, the official podcast of Camp Ryla, Rotary District 5810. My name is Greg Tepper, my co-host for the evening. I'm so, so pleased to be joined by the man they call Josie, Andrew Rutz. Well, hello, Greg. Hi. I'm pleased right? to join you. Oh, I'm, oh, thanks, man. Thanks, man. Yeah. I'm, um, I know we texted about this. I'm, um... As we record this, I'm five days away from my first vacation since COVID. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Um, and so we, uh, like, I don't know. That's like, that's like, I gotta be honest. If I, if I zone out while we're recording this podcast, I'm only like daydreaming about the, the about a vacation because it's like, oh man, do I, <laughs> do I need a vacation? And so I asked you this question. I'll ask, I'll ask it again and, and certainly hope that nobody that pays my, uh, that signs my checks listens to this. Um, when, if I'm leaving, like my last day of work is Friday and then I'm going to be off for a week. When can I check out? Like, I mean, when can I just like pop this bad boy into neutral and just like ride the rest of the, the work week? Yeah, so I of of course this is just what I've heard from people. We're just spitballing I, here. We're, we're just, just hypothetical here. Hype, hype, totally hypothetical. So if you're leaving Friday, you're powered down. Um, probably, I, I, I mean, based on the scale that I'm familiar with, to probably about ten percent at the start mm. of the last day of vacation, mm. and you're just buttoning things up. Right? Or, sorry, last day oh. pre-vacation, mm-hmm. buttoning things up, making sure the out of office, out of office email is key. I've, it is I've, key. I gotta, I gotta think that through. Yeah, yeah. I do it for, I do it for camp. Like I put up a, I put up an, an out of office. Oh, that's good for camp. Um, so I, I do have some experience in that regard, but, but yeah, I've gotta, I've gotta think that through because I'm not gonna be on my phone at all. Um. But that's, I've got serious vacation brain, which is, uh, which is good because I haven't had that in quite a while. Well, yeah, we I'm, I'm good. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say we were supposed to go last summer, um, on a vacation and then, uh, my kid got sick. So, um, uh, once again, kids ruin kids. everything. Huh? Uh, a blessing is what I said. Um, <laughs> Uh, this is the RylaCast, the official podcast, Camp Ryla, Rotary District 5810. We do thank you for spending a little bit of your day with us. Coming up here in just a little bit, you will hear from the chief legal counsel for the RylaCast, Jay Bailey, uh, who uh, has offered his legal services pro bono, and he's not here to uh, to us, I should say, <laughs> pro bono to us. And he's not here to refute that, and so I'm just going to keep saying it confidently. Um, so we will hear from Jay Bailey coming up here. In just a little bit. Uh, plus, uh, I'm going to tell you about the most interesting country in the world and a leadership, uh, at least right now, and uh, any leadership uh, kind of lesson we can take from that. But first, with the big segment, is my friend, your friend, everyone's friend, Andrew Josiatz. Well, thanks, Craig. I'm very excited for you, for your segment. Um, so I'm going to kick off this big segment. I should segment. probably figure out what it's going to be. <laughs> I'm going to kick off this big segment. Do you have to have your vision corrected, whether use of glasses, contacts, anything like that? Or are you the million dollar man, perfect vision? Uh, I, I am the million dollar man, perfect vision, but I paid for it. Um, okay. Okay. I had, I had, I had the laser eye surgery. Um, okay. 
back in 2010-ish. It was before I was married. I know that. So like 2010, I had, the, I had laser shot into my eyes. Okay. Um, so no, but I did used to wear glasses like a nerd. <laughs> well, I'm so, kidding. So you, I'm you're... Kidding. I wish I looked good in glasses. Um, I had somebody told, told me that uh, everybody looked good in glasses today, and I, I'm still thinking about that one. Uh, but anyway, I, I digress. Uh, Ooh, you know what? I don't think I can refute that. Okay. I think so, a lot of people look really good in glasses. I never did. Plus but, one. Interesting. So, anyway, go on. Okay. I'm sorry. Um, no, you're good. So, But you're familiar with the trip to the eye doctor, yada, yada, yada. I am. Um, I bring that up because I had a trip to the eye doctor this week for my annual eye exam and uh, got talking to the eye doctor and he was explaining how contacts I, I'm, I'm a contact guy wear the glasses mm. at night kind of thing and how contacts are still improving which i have not thought one minute about uh, how contacts can improve but we think about um, like all the like there's tons of like there's people researching how to make contacts one percent better right and like buddy pay attention the next couple years because that one percent is is more like 10 or 20 percent better Mm. Uh, one of the improvements coming up soon to a contact near you is the addition of a blue light filter. Uh, you, are you are joking me. No, I'm not. So you're familiar with the blue light glasses. I, I'm look, I have blue light glasses that I bought during the pandemic that I'm looking at right now. Okay. Okay. So, so this is reaching its target audience. If you're the only person that listens <laughs> to this. We did it. <laughs> um, and I, I'm, I'm fascinated. I don't have the blue light glasses, but I do stare at screens all day. Have you ever used them? Uh, no, I have not. Uh, th I find them to be helpful. Um, okay. I think your mileage may vary. Um, but I, I think that they're, I think they're pretty nice. Okay. I think that they, they help. Like if you do stare, if you suffer from eye strain, like if you're staring at a screen all day, as as a lot of us are, that's how the world is now. Um, sports. The then I would say that that yeah, they can be helpful. Okay, I'm gonna have to look into a to blue light glasses. Hmm. Um, but I I bring this up because it has a a nice a nice leadership tie in maybe. Um, so Tangle, I'm a, a Tangle News subscriber, which was a uh, I can't remember the episode number, but Tyler Chris, way back tens of episodes ago recommended this as a as a newsletter to subscribe to they post a, a daily newsletter and one of their good news um articles or snippets they put out was a, a link to an article titled how to help young people limit screen time and feel better about how they look mm. and there was a study put on uh, by the American Psychological Association with about a hundred or a few hundred volunteers ages 17 to 25. And they experimented by cutting screen time, specifically viewing social media feeds to one hour per day for about three weeks. Okay. Um, so half, half restricted their use to 60 minutes a day, the other half continued to use social media with no restrictions, which averages about three hours per day. And among the group that cut the use, the overall score on how they viewed themselves 
on a five point scale improved from 2.95 to 3.15, which the study is saying that that is an astronomical improvement um, for such a short period of time. And I, I bring that up because I don't know if you track how much time you spend in front of various screens. Um, Not too I've much. got right. <laughs> I've got the little thing that the iPhone says, you know, here's your, your daily screen time. You're either up or down from previous weeks, but screens are not going away. Um, and I just found it fascinating that, uh, that studies are showing what I think people assume that, uh, that viewing images of people, whether they're, you know, doctored or, or if people are allowed to put their best images on the world, on a platform for the world to see that -hmm. others may not feel as good viewing the, the positive side of everybody's life. Um, and so this, uh, this article has some ideas to try to, um, limit your social media use. And, uh, I just bring this up. Go ahead. Sorry. No, no, I, I'm, I'm a firm believer in that. I, um, I take like a, three months sabbatical from social media, like starting, like probably want to get back from vacation. Um, and, and it's, I, I find myself when I get to the end of that, I find myself like not really missing it. I have to do social media in a certain, for a certain level for my job. Um, but like disconnecting from that is, I think it's so, so nice sometimes. And, and yeah. Do you have something that takes its place or is it just open, open time for you to feel? Yeah, no, being a father. Oh, okay. Um, yes. Yeah, I just I, like I'd meet uh... my kids again uh, instead of tweeting. <laughs> no, um, you, you know, uh, there's not, I, I think what, what ends up taking the place is, is work at the busy time. I, I kind of mm. strategically do it around the busy time of my, my work. But, um, but there's also, I think there's a value in just like, just taking, take a week off. Literally, just take a week off, delete the app from from your phone, whether it's Instagram, whether it's TikTok, whether it's it's, you know, Facebook, Twitter, whatever, delete it from from your phone for a week. And I do feel like you'll feel better. Okay, I think you're reading. I think you've you've read this art, not that this article is groundbreaking things, but it has tips for for what to do to limit limit use. And you you hit four out of the five. I did. Um, You did it. I did not but, read this article. No, <laughs> no, I, I feel like this is, this theme has been somewhat constant over the past few years. And it was, it's interesting to see that we're seeing, uh, interesting to see some of the results of these studies that have been out, uh, that actually use real world teens, mm, the teens, the teens. Uh, um, are you going to get the blue light contacts? So I don't know. I, 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 got caught up in a separate conversation and didn't get to follow up if it was like a, it sounded like all contacts will have this blue light filter. Oh, they'll come standard. Seems interesting. Hmm. Um, hmm. Ha- having, interesting. I know nothing. I know very little about the blue light, um, filter, but feels like that may be an, ob- I would prefer it as an option as opposed to standard feature, but, uh, but I'll report back on that. Okay. Josie, thank you for that report. Um, and yeah, I'm 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 with you on on understanding the the understanding exactly how important social media is. That's not to say it's not important, 
or it's, it's super important. It's also not unimportant, but like finding that balance, I think, is important. So thanks, Josie. Thanks, Greg. Uh, and now it's time to talk to a lawyer um, and also our friend. Uh, here's our conversation with Jay Baylor here on the Rylacast. Oh, Josie. Oh, Greg. As you know, here on this podcast, we play pretty fast and loose with the law. Uh, and so we thought it would be wise to bring in our counsel uh, mm. to discuss on air uh, the legal woes that we are presently undergoing. Uh, and so here to talk about all of the all of the uh, deeply, deeply felonious things that uh, that this podcast has done is the chief counsel for the Ryla cast. We're joined by Jay Bailey. Mr. Bailey, how are you? Good. How are you guys? Good. Thank you for thank you for coming on and thank you for uh, for taking on our case. We we of, we think that we think that we have a good case, but but it's kind of your job to go out there and win it for us. Yeah. Well, this th- I'm glad that you uh, had that introduction because now all of this is billable. So that's part of the moment. The moment I introduced you as our chief counsel, like you just like instinctively got out a stopwatch. Yeah. Clock starts ticking <laughs> and click. All right. Well, then this is going to be a very quick interview. Um, well, thank you so- for your time today, Jay. Um. <laughs> that'd be good actually uh we should just end like i'm gonna i'm gonna insert the intro like the outro right here um uh all right so jay we do appreciate your your time your um your pro bono time um what, no 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 don't would try you, to would right you, now would you mind uh starting this as quickly as possible uh, uh by telling us your ryla story yeah, absolutely. Um, I think um, my story is not, uh, you know, dissimilar from maybe uh, the kind of cookie cutter one, if you will. Um, went to Gunner High School. Um, so, you know, for those for the uninitiated, a, a small um, school just right up Preston Road, had about 85 kids in my graduating class. And was loosely familiar with Ryla just because, um, you know, we've had some notable alumni come through the the Dalton Lees and Hunter Heinrichs of the world. And a certain Becca Egger was my English teacher um, at Gunner. And so was, you know, knew that there were cool people uh, around Ryla, um, but that was really it. And wanted to to get in and participate and so definitely got my application in early and and you know talked to the rotarians had a great experience with those guys and so definitely knew that it was something that I wanted to do um you know and I it was this was right before we switched to doing it in August you know there were several years that we had it in August so really lucked out timing wise because I was able to, to go before two days started and just had, you know, the quintessential Ryla experience really kind of, um, helped push me in a lot of, a lot of ways that I hadn't been pushed before. Um, definitely, um, you know, was familiar with leading in the traditional sense. And so Ryla, um, definitely opened up my eyes to, to a different way of doing things that, that I was able to use 
into, you know, my senior year of, of high school and knew that I wanted to come back every, every chance I could from then on. All right. So Gunner, the Ryla powerhouse that it is. So, um, so what do you do? I know you're our official legal counsel, but what do you do today, uh, as your day job? Yeah. So I'm, I'm an attorney. Um, it's, uh, more specifically right now I work for a, um, a firm that does, uh, you know, business law. And then if you want to break that down even a little bit more, um, I'm mainly in uh, litigation right now. Uh, and so that is, you know, the <laughs> that is the process of suing and being sued um, and try to help people navigate that road. Um, we mostly do, uh, or I'm mostly um, doing construction litigation. So we represent all sorts of um, entities, mostly in the kind of construction and adjacent fields uh, with with kind of general counsel type stuff as well as litigation stuff. So can you, I, I guess, do you use Ryla? How has Ryla prepared you for that role? Yeah, absolutely. It's been, um, you know, I, everybody says this, right? Because that's the great thing about Ryla is there, it, it is applicable to every everyone's you know, respective livelihoods on a daily basis. But, um, I, I definitely use something that, that I've heard at Rilo or experienced on a daily basis. And it's that, um, I, what I've come to figure out is the, you know, the law is what it is. Um, and it is, you know, that's something that can, can be, learned and applied and those types of things. But really, at least in, in kind of my practice, um, the relationships with your clients, with opposing counsel, um, with all of those kind of factors is, is what comes into play. And, and something that has really been beneficial is just my experience through, you know, Ryla and working on staff and being able to navigate those relationships, a lot of times, right, it's you're representing clients that aren't often in this type of position. And so they're anxious about it. They're, you know, looking for some sort of certainty. And so being able to communicate with those people effectively, being able to, um, you know, put yourself in their shoes and try to kind of just help them navigate the whole process is, is definitely a big part of it, as well as active listening, right? So, you think of being a, a, a trial lawyer and you're up there like Atticus Finch giving some sort of, you know, grandiose closing statement or whatever the case may be. But really, the bulk of my job is listening and observing and being cognizant of the little things that, you know, are things that we try to focus on in camp, whether that's through the round robins or facilitators or anything like that. Um, and that goes back to my previous point of the, the little things in at Ryla make all the difference. And that's where I was able to grow the most. That's where I, I continue to grow the most every year. I'm, I'm picking up more of those little subtleties that really have an impact on my daily life. Um, 
And, and that's what I'm so appreciative of, of not only my experience, but being able to, to continue to come to camp and just pick up on those, those little, little things that become big tools, uh, in your toolbox to, to quote Dana. Yeah. And, and, and that actually kind of leads me to my next question, which is that, you know, you're, you're a busy man. Um, you've, you've got your plate full, uh, of the law. Um, I presume, I don't know how lawyers work. Do you just have a plate that just carries the law around? Um, uh, I'm a journalist. Um, my question is like, what keeps you coming back? There's certainly a better use of not only the week of camp, but you're also heavily involved in the planning of camp and getting, getting camp off the ground and things like that. Uh, that's a big time commitment. What keeps you engaged, keeps you coming back when certainly there are other things you could be doing with that time? Uh, yeah, I, it's my, again, uh, it's my favorite week of the year, much, much like everyone else, because, um, I had such a, an awesome experience, uh, as a camper that it has been, uh, one of the, the most exciting parts of my year is trying to create that experience for somebody else. And that's what I've really enjoyed um, about being on staff. I, I really loved my time as a camper. Um, I really learned a lot, um, as, uh, an AC and getting to experience, um, being in a cabin from, from that side of things and, and all of that. But I really love being on staff because you really get into the nitty gritty, behind the scenes, how, how this works. And I'm not going to peel the curtain back too much here, but I'll say this, um, you know, when you're a camper, all of these magical things are happening and it's just, Oh, you know, boom, you're here in this place and you've come to this, you know, huge experience and it's been unveiled before you. And it's like, wow, how did this happen? And then you are an AC and you get into a cabin and you're like, okay, yeah, we kind of set that up here. Okay. Let's, let's steer the conversation to this point. Let's get people here. And then you get on staff and you realize that the, the amount of effort and teamwork and, you know, all of the various groups that play in to getting that single conversation to happen that changes a camper's life. Well, if you really get into the steps that had to take place before that and all of the, the planning and preparation and serious consideration put forth by not only the people of that staff, but staffs before them, um, it's really an eye-opening experience and one that I absolutely love because we do create such a unique experience, um, unique not only to each cabin, but to each individual. And so to try to do that year after year and, and really have that impact on the kids in our community is just something that's irreplaceable in, in my eyes. So what I'm hearing, if I can crudely sum up what you just said so eloquently is, um, you know, we've got letter of the law versus spirit of the law and, uh, and oh, being wow. on staff really allows you to put your own spin on the spirit of the law, given the set of, of letters, so to speak, 
that camp abides by. Is that would that be an accurate assessment? Josie, I have no idea what you just said. <laughs> okay, buddy, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just it's Josie and I kind of putting together word salads and hoping that somebody eats it. Well, uh, yeah, well, I'm just going to shove that word salad away and, and get back to the main to the main focus of this podcast, which is Jay Bailey. Um, so we are at the point in the podcast where we we allow our esteemed guests to plug something could be themselves, the law firm they work for, for example, a sports team, you know, TPW, any a slogan, anything like that. Um, so the floor is yours, Mr. Bailey. Oof, yeah, I was, I was totally unprepared to plug something. Um, how, how could I have known that this moment was going to come? Certainly um, not after 48 episodes of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so I'll, well, I'll, I'll plug one thing that's hopeful to be, and I, it's an early plug. So I, this, I say that with a disclaimer attached to it because I've purchased the book and I've read about six pages of it and that's it. And, and maybe you guys will have some insight here. So actually, this will be good feedback. Atomic Habits. Have you guys read it? I have not, but you're the second person to recommend it to me. Okay. I, so, I own it, but haven't read it. Yeah. Uh, maybe okay. you should make it Atomic Habit to read that book. I don't <laughs> hey. know what the book's about. Tell me about it. <laughs> uh, well, that, I think it's. I think you hit the nail on the head there. Um, I got into it a little bit and was overwhelmed. Um just because it's like, oh my gosh, there, there's a, a lot to it. But I've recently kind of reevaluated my way of thinking and it's like, okay, let's, let's break down all of these bad habits I have and let's just attack one or two of them at a time as opposed to um, trying to revamp my entire life. Uh, so I have not gotten very deep into the book, but I am rededicating myself to, to getting through it. So Maybe we'll have to do a part two here when I can provide some sort of book report to you guys. Interesting. Okay. Atomic Habits. Uh, yes. The plug here from our... And, Go ahead. Mm-hmm. and we're not done yet because <laughs> in a week, Ted Lasso season three comes out. So mm. be ready for that. I will be. I will Are be you ready. Okay. Are you not a Ted Lasso guy, Greg? I, I am a Ted Lasso guy. I like Ted Lasso. Um I like it. Mm-hmm. I thought There's season. A... I I think that the trend line is troubling. I thought season part part of that is because season one was so good, and then season two I thought was good. You know, I I need to see a little something. You know, that's all I'm saying. Well, next week, I, I guess the <laughs> proof will be in the pudding, so to speak. Um, uh, I want to close this out with uh, an an important question. As, a, as, again, a Capital J journalist here, um, I've got the 2012 edition of Dave Campbell's Texas Football in front of me. And oh. If you turn to page 330, um, you will find the, uh, which, and, and this is 100% true. I laid out this page. I remember uh, this, this, this book. I remember putting it together. Um, here, uh, predicted to win the district championship of District 7 2A Division 2 is uh, the Gunner Tigers. Coached by Jake Fazell, coming off of a ten and three run to the regional finals. All that's to say, um, they uh, they list out here and other prospects. Quarterback Jay Bailey. Okay, um, and then it says in here, <clears throat> QB Bailey parentheses six five hundred and sixty five pounds. 
will take over under center after earning all district honors as a receiver in 2011. So fun, fundamentally, this is a 10-year follow-up. How much of that is accurate? A spot uh, check. You know, uh, well, I bet that weight's probably a little on the heavy side for what I actually was. <laughs> but, yeah, um, it's... Uh, that's that's not surprising, honestly. We get a lot of fudging of the numbers here. Yeah, but but the height is right. You're not five something. Yeah, no, I think uh, I think the height's probably right, and I okay. Most it, of the most of that other information was pretty accurate. Okay, the other thing about this, I just realized this. I guess I forgot you guys were in the district with White Wright, which means oh, yes. you were in the district with Tyrone Swoops, uh, Absolutely. For, former uh, former. Um, five-star quarterback prospect who went to Texas who what you know it, it didn't go great for him at Texas yes yeah um, well I will say this about Tyrone we also played him in seventh grade and he was about six five two oh five in seventh grade <laughs> um but we had a lot of fun going against those guys every year for sure he's a large boy uh yes uh, okay so so really uh, like you are you are a lawyer you're a lawman uh but but fundamentally you're you're a football star. Are you the most accomplished football player at Ryla? Uh, that cannot be accurate. I hope not. For who's be- who else was an all district re- re- uh, receiver who then got moved to starting quarterback for a ten win district champion team? Yeah, I, that, I'm going to leave that. That's kind of your area of expertise. I don't have that mm. knowledge. Mm. Um, mm. It sounds I'm like not, a project for me. I'm hearing no other closing arguments. Yeah. Actually. <laughs> wow you've been um uh yeah you've been uh i don't know what's the you've been judge hammered i'm sure there's something that they call that judge hammer but it's the judge hammer they, um, i think the ga- yeah gavel gavel i watch law and order there's I, no way that's right yeah, um I, judge hammer is definitely what they're calling it these days <laughs> they really are um and finally you know one other thing we would be remiss uh your uh your booking agent uh for this appearance we had to go i mean it was Ooh, jumping through hoops to get you on the show. Um, uh, but your um, your 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 wife, also a former uh, podcast guest, um, Meg Jones, um, nope. Meg Jones, um, she uh, she told me in confidence that she believed that the Baileys were the power couple of Ryla, and I just want to get your your comment on that. Uh, yeah, I don't. I can't imagine that that is something that she would say, <laughs> um, especially uh, given all of the great people that we have on, on staff, you know? Uh, I just, I just, I just want to get shot a dirty look next time I see your wife, which uh, <laughs> I think I've now guaranteed. So the, the, I've accomplished everything I want to. Um, Jay Bailey, we appreciate your time. We appreciate your legal expertise and, um, and thank you for, uh, for, for jumping on here on the, on the Riley cast. Absolutely. Thank you guys for having me. It was fun. There is Jay Bailey. Our thanks once again to the chief legal counsel for the Rylacast. A a position he didn't ask for, doesn't want, and doesn't uh, accept. But but one that he has nonetheless. Jay Bailey. We appreciate his time here on the Rylacast. And and one follow up, Greg. Sorry to interrupt you mm. there, but uh, regarding the power couple um, comment mm-hmm. from from Meg, which I you heard, heard too, right? I heard no objection 
to that mm. from either mm-hmm. party. Mm-hmm. So I think mm-hmm. we move forward. I think um, as, with that as canon. Uh, it, correct. Mm. Yeah. Interesting. Please enter that into the record. Yes. Is that a legal term? <laughs> I'm not, I'm, I've only watched like the court episodes of dumb shows. You know what I mean? Like not even like the smart court shows. Um, anyway, we appreciate Jay. And by the way, I should just say, Meg did not say that. If you didn't catch my drift, that is not, that is a joke. Meg would never say that. Um, anyway. Uh, all right. It's now time for me to bring us home. And Josie. Greg. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how else to start this segment without other than just saying, Hey, you hearing what's happening in Japan? Um, that's boy, that's an open ended. Uh... <laughs> so, all right, I'm going to take you on a journey to something that's happening, uh, in Japan. And I promise you at the end, I'm going to tie it together with what I think is a relatively astute leadership point. Okay. Okay. So, Josie, um, Japan is shrinking. What? Um, And what I mean by that is that the population is that Japan has a population crisis. Um, They are, since 2008, they have almost 5 million fewer people in Japan than they did in 2008. Like, they're shrinking. Okay. Uh, and it is only like ramping up. Like it's only that, that, that shrinking, uh, is, uh, that population crisis is only accelerating so much so that an aide to the prime minister, uh, the prime minister is a gentleman named Kishida, uh, Fumio Kishida, uh, was quoted as saying, Japan will disappear no babies, no Japan, uh, if people don't have more children. So what? here's what's happening. Here's the nuts and bolts of it, is that Japan has kind of a, they have an aging population. Uh, and last year, um, for example, there were about 1.6 million Japanese people who died and fewer than 800,000 Japanese babies. Oh, wow. Okay. That's a stark so, difference. Yes. So th- in one year, they lost about 700,000 in population. Mm. Okay? Okay. Um, Japan's birth rate is one of the lowest in the world. Uh, so the fertility rate, which is the indication of how many number of children, the number of children an average woman has in their lifetime. Um, the the rate that is that is usually that is considered to be for a stable population just keep things as status quo is 2.1 if the average uh, woman in your country is having 2.1 babies over the course of their uh, their lifetime then your population is going to stay the same if it's 2.2 it's going to grow if it's 2.0 it's going to shrink right right japan's is 1.3 mm. japan's is shockingly low um and they are, yeah, so, and, and by the way, they're very old. So the proportion of Japanese, of the Japanese population that is over 65 is now almost 30%. Okay. Oh, okay. 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 This is a problem. <laughs> this like, is... And they are sounding alarms in Japan about this. 
Okay. They're sounding alarms and they're trying to fix it. Obviously like what they're telling, like these people, you heard the, you heard the A to the, uh, the prime minister saying <laughs> we need to have more babies, right? Yeah, oh my great, gosh. Great please. bumper sticker slogan. Yes. Nope. Yeah. Have more babies. Right. <laughs> and, and that's certainly part of it. Right. But there's a couple of reasons why people are not having uh, that the Japanese are not having as many babies. They say speculate. One of them is that babies are expensive and mm. the cost of living in Japan and specifically in the big cities is pretty high. And there's just a lack of, they have not, they have not gone and put a ton of resources into childcare. Um, they're actually, believe it or not, here's just this is a little bit of an aside. I read a lot about this over the weekend. <laughs> I can um, tell. They, uh, the government is now offering subsidy or like subsidies. They're offering stipends to, to freeze your eggs. If you're a woman, they're offering like stipend, like they're, okay. they're sounding alarms over here about this, about the, the population crisis. Okay. And, and, and Island of Japan, right. To, in order to yes. craft yeah, it. Okay. The Island of Japan. Expense. Exactly. Okay. Yes. Expensive. Yeah. It's expensive. Gotcha. Uh, another thing that's interesting is that the there is that the um the, they are all crammed into big cities and so there's not a lot of space and so people are like why would i have a kid i can't even have enough space for myself here in tokyo mm, right okay, right um which is which is true so japan has a population i mentioned of like 200 124 million right about 124 million uh 14 million of them live in Tokyo. Oh, okay. Wow. A huge amount. And by the way, all of these, and so here's another government like program they've got. They are offering people money to move out of Tokyo. If you have kids, they are paying you to move out of Tokyo. They're paying you $7,700 a child. Wow. So if you, so, so I have two kids. If, if me and my family lived in Tokyo, they will pay me almost 15, they'll pay me more than 15 grand to leave Tokyo because the idea is if they leave Tokyo, then there is more space, which means people are going to be more encouraged, which maybe drops the cost of living a little bit, which is going to maybe encourage people to have more, more, um, more babies. Right. So that's right. another thing they're doing. Right. But there's there's one other thing that I think is really the driving the more I've read about it the more I think is like the real driving factor behind this. And that is the Japanese culture of work. Okay? Okay. The the Japanese are are notoriously famously exhaustingly like work heavy. They are um they they do not take much vacation. They are they work long hours. They are dedicated to work. That has been a big cultural thing in Japan. That hey, you work hard. You, you like you put your nose to the grindstone, and you and and their work ethic is unbelievable. It's notoriously rigid, and 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 kind of slow moving. So people work a lot. And so that is another reason why a lot of, especially now that we, that, that a lot more women are in the workplace, they are saying, why would I have a kid? Like, I want to work. That's what oh, I was told to do. Okay. Right? right. So that's a big part of this too. And even like people, like guys who are like, why would I be a father? That's going to take away from an opportunity for me to work. Right. And I'm supposed, right. that's what I'm supposed to do. And so 
this is a, and so th- to bring this all home to a, a point, okay, you're hearing about all of these programs that the Japanese government is launching to try to fix this problem, right? B- fix this problem. But the biggest issue is a cultural one. And it's the culture that they have that they have created over the course of their society, right? right? I think if you're a leader of an organization and you have problems and you've got issues you need to resolve, if they are kind of top level, maybe surface level, they can be solved. But the deeper into the culture, the deeper the deeper that it has to do with the culture of the workplace, the culture of the group, the harder it is going to be to solve. That's something that's hard to rewrite. That if you've got somebody who is, if you've got somebody who is maybe, maybe somebody in your group that you are the leader of is not pulling their weight, right? Right. But you have a culture that you have created that is going to help weed them out or at the very least get them going in the right direction, then that's going to take care of itself. That's an easier fix. But if you have allowed a a culture to fester that is going to allow that kind of stuff to go by and not be, not be addressed, that's a lot harder to root out. And I was thinking about that a lot this weekend when I was reading a ton about this Japanese population (laughs) uh, crisis, because I do think that what's important whenever you're creating a group, whenever you're 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 kind of the head of a group or you're helping to lead a group, is to ensure that there's a healthy culture there. Because if you have an unhealthy culture, then the problems that are going to come out of that are going to be a lot harder to solve than like the normal run-of-the-mill problems that are going to come about in any organization. So that's that was something that came to me when I was on a run this weekend as I was reading a ton about this, this Japanese population crisis. But there you go. That's what's going on in Japan. That's today in Japan. Today in Japan. Wow, that is fascinating. Uh, um, dude, there's a lot out there. and I've read almost all of it. <laughs> uh, it's really Japan. I'm, I'm always fascinated by Japan. I think their culture is, is fascinating. And but it, it is they're like the 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 government is freaking out they're freaking out because like nobody's having kids anymore and they're trying to figure out like you can't you can't make people have kids you know what i mean <laughs> right right, <laughs> right. So they're trying to they're trying to like they're trying all these band-aids they're trying all these incentives to get them to have kids and it's just it's wild man that's wild J- japan so, solid uh, solid high-speed rail network um uh, just kinda... i am super envious of their high-speed rail I'm super envious. I, I, I like that's my that's my as we get back to vacation talk, that's my dream vacation is Japan. Okay. I love I love the history. Like I think it's fascinating. And so um anyway, there you have it. That's today in Japan. Today in Japan. Fascinating. Um, yeah. So there you go. I'll send you some articles. Yeah. <laughs> Josie's about to get like six articles sent to him <laughs> that he doesn't want to read. Anyway. That's going to do it for us. Thanks for spending a little bit of your day uh, with us. Uh, we want to encourage you to go to our website, ryla5810.org. All sorts of good stuff there, uh, including if you're listening to this, um, like the staff application, which I think is closed. But if you tell them that you heard about it on the RylaCast, maybe they'll open it up for you. I don't know if that's true, but I'm saying it confidently on a podcast. You'll never um, know unless you yeah, do it. How about exactly that? Right. Yeah, call our bluff. Yeah. Um, 
and yeah, uh, but uh, thanks for uh, thanks for listening to this podcast. Please rate it. Uh, please comment on it, and uh, please tell a friend. And here with an antiquated way of telling a friend about the Rylacast is Josie. Yes, thank you, Greg. And uh, I'm a big supporter of uh, local coffee shops. Um, Ooh, me and, too. And, yeah. Um, and uh, I would suggest telling a friend um, if you go to a local coffee shop and get, you know how they do like the lattes with the the foam milk. I sound so old man right now. Um, oh, like the foam art? Like the foam art. Um, yeah, if, if that's you, fascinating. Yeah, if you can go to a coffee shop and uh, talk to a barista and get them to do the foam art and spell out listen to the Ryla cast and then do that for a solid week, like have like a little drive going yeah. that every latte has listened to the Ryla cast and the foam art. That's, uh, <laughs> I don't know if it's antiquated, but... Um, <laughs> sounds like so much work. <laughs> sounds like so much work. But um, but the the payoff is hearing your your laugh right now, Greg. Thanks for your uh thanks for listening to the Rylacast. Josie, thanks for your courage. Thanks, Greg. Talk to you next time on the Rylacast.